Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas, and we're here to break down and kind of recap uh, the Titans' preseason game against the Buccaneers, which they won 13-3. to um, Malik Willis got another start. We didn't see Tannehill, didn't see Derrick Henry, um, haven't seen some of the other uh, Titans starters but it's good to get back on the on the winning side after losing the opener to the preseason juggernaut that is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's good. I, it, it's been just a good experience for a lot of these Titans players. I think particularly Malik Willis getting these two starts. Um, I think it points to the Titans really wanting to get him experience. Um, and I think uh, he's kind of pushed past legged Woodside for um, the backup job, but we'll get into Malik Willis in a little bit. Uh, I want to go to you, Will, uh, if you want to maybe tell me if anyone in particular stood out to you in this game, um, if any player, um, you know, earned maybe not a starting job, but more playing time or, or maybe pushed someone out um, from the third or second or third string spot. Yeah. So, Full disclosure, it's it's a weird game because so much of the narrative turned into like how much how Dylan Radens was doing, and we can talk about that later. But people forget that Kyle Phillips was an absolute lightning bolt. Like I think somebody said that he averaged 18 yards a punt return. Like the Titans have had kick returners who haven't averaged that. Like uh, it's supposedly the best number of anybody who's uh, returned three or more punts all, all preseason. He looks awesome. Like it, it's why it's so frustrating that we haven't been able to see him catch passes or, or like uh, other than like the toe drag when he did for the first down and like, you know, the, those kinds of things Like we haven't been able to see him with space in front of him because he looks the part for sure. So it, number one has to be Phillips just because he continues to make every opportunity count. Uh, Another guy that we should talk about is Rashad Weaver. Like this time last year, everybody was starting to catch on that Rashad Re- Weaver looked like a powerhouse. And, you know, there were some concerns that his injury might have set him back. But I mean, he looks great. You know, he he's added a little bit of bend to his game, which is what he got that, you know, forced fumble or that, that sack through a hole. I can't remember if it was a forced fumble or not, but he had that one. And then, I mean, he was just constantly, he hit the arm of, uh, I think it was Trask. 
because uh, I don't think Gabbert was in. I think it was Trask that he hit his arm and it turned into an interception. Uh, and, and like basically, like if the quarterback held onto the ball for more than you know three seconds, he had the right tackle like in his lap, and that was whether it was the first guy, the second guy, the third guy, because he's had to play so many snaps because. They they seem to be wanting him to just play against the right tackle, and I don't know if that's a stylistic thing. I know Harold Landry predominantly lines up on one side, so maybe they're trying to kind of even that out to say, like, okay, we want these guys to line up here, and then we can set the defense around that, and then we can move them to a wide nine or for Harold Landry. It's like we can move them off ball, but it was pretty much him on the right side and Bud Dupree slash Ola Daniel against the left tackle. So it, he, because they don't have, they're not starting a lot of those guys in front of him. Like you talked about with Autry and Landry, he's getting, you know, a ton of snaps and he never looks fatigued. You know, he plays the run as hard as he plays the pass. Like it, I think on that. Uh, so there were a lot of near turnovers kind of jump, jumping around points here because he did so much. There was a, a turnover later after the Caleb Farley, like recovery of the fumble out of bounds, which is just bad luck because, you know, Kalu did a nice job knocking it out and Farley did a nice job being there. But then later, uh, somebody causes a fumble and Rashad Weaver went from getting upfield on a, on a run play, then getting 10 yards down the field to recover the fumble. Like he just pops up everywhere. So, those two probably had the best standout days. Um, but, you know, they're in weird positions because it's like Kyle Phillips is probably going to be limited to to the slot. Like it's where he thrives. But how much is Mike Frable when the season actually starts and it matters? Like how much is he going to use a slot receiver? Like uh, he's going to push for two tight ends as much as he can. And then with Weaver, like, I mean, I don't remember a time where Harold Landry came off the field willingly. Like it just doesn't happen all that much. So, I mean, maybe they pull Autry, you know, in and out and try that, but I, I don't know. They're, they're going to have some really good guys who are sitting on the bench for a lot of plays just because they don't necessarily fit into, you know, immediate playing time situations, but those two look great. Completely agree on Kyle Phillips. I agree on Weaver also, but I don't know if there's any tight end that has had a better offseason than Kyle Phillips. I mean, the the reports have been glowing. It's showing up in the games. He looks like an electric punt returner. He's going to be able to help the Titans from day one. Um, I even saw today, I think it was, was it Peter Schrager? Or was it, I can't I can't remember if it was Peter Schrager or Kyle Brandt. They're the same um, guy. They were, they were right there, the same person. I, I was gonna, I was like, you got to be thinking of Kyle Brandt too. They're the same person. I don't know which one it was either. Um, I think it was one of them. Anyway, they were going through um the top five rookie receivers that they've heard the most buzz on. Um, number one was some guy named Lance McCutcheon. I actually haven't heard of him. Um, but Kyle Phillips made that list, and considering how deep the the wide receiver class, rookie wide receiver class is this year, um, I think that speaks volumes to. To how the times feel about him and, and how how the national media is, has even kind of caught on to, to a little bit of his hype. So, um, but I, I, heard, I, I heard this uh, just just to interrupt you a little bit, but I heard Mike Keith say this and I'd seen I think Mike Miracles tweeted it during the draft. But uh, that Mike Keith was saying that 
the the AJ Brown trade turned into Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, and Kyle Phillips, which is a, a pretty fantastic. Oh, and it uh, it's sorry, it might have also been uh, Nicholas Petit Frere too. Now that I think about it, so like it's a you know it's never great. You never feel great trading you know a Pro Bowl talent, but if you're gonna get those guys back, like that is starting to look like fair compensation. I don't know. According to every NFL and every Eagles fan, uh, we swapped A.J. Brown for Traylon Burks straight up, and there was nothing else um, that went on in that trade. But anyway, we're not going to get into that. Um, yeah, so that was Phillips. Uh, I agree with you on Weaver. He looks like a monster. I mean, he looked like a mon- every time he's been on the field, he looks like a monster from college to last year's preseason to preseason this year. I uh, really hope he stays healthy because that, oh my God, that defensive line looks like just a beast of a defensive line yet again. And it seems like they're only going to get better because all they've done is add pieces to it. Um, and even like you mentioned a Danny that, that was playing with Weaver, David and any again, just like keeps making plays. Um, he got another sack. I think the times might have to keep uh, five edges if they can. But then you look at the defensive tackles like Naquan Jones is still balling. Tyre Tart looks good again. Demarcus Walker looks good. Deshaun Hand even had a really great game. I don't know how they're going to find space for a lot of these defensive linemen. They're going to have to make some some pretty tough cut decisions. Um, it's not even only on the defensive line. Like Josh, Joshua Kalu might have been the best tight end on the field in yeah, this preseason Johnson. game. Like yeah, Lonnie, Lonnie Johnson, Johnson came out too. of nowhere. And yeah. Like they just signed him, and it turns out he had like an interception in practice. And then yeah. I think he might have been uh, he might have been the one that forced the fumble. Uh, earlier that I was talking about the Rashad Weaver recovery. Um, I think you're right. He, yeah. Yeah. He's looking yeah, you're good. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to have to put some guys on the pup list. Cause you could technically put Monty Rice on the pup list. And, you know, if Elijah Molden keeps, keeps kind of staying a little bit banged up or whatever. And Theo Jackson too, like you can say, okay, like we're going to put y'all basically what they did to start last season where they bent the rules a little bit to keep guys on the roster. But uh, eventually they'll have to make to make some decisions, but it's a good problem to have. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, they, they have other safeties who's like Adrian Colbert is fine. He's, he's a decent veteran. Um, they just traded for Tyree Gillespie. Uh, he played a little bit in this game. Um, and then you have the linebackers who I thought played pretty well. Chance Campbell, I didn't like what he did in the first game, but I thought he played a little bit better in this one. And Jack Evans looks like, like a pretty good backup linebacker to have. He is super quick and can cover, uh, can cover tight ends if needed. So the Titans just yeah. have insane depth on, on the defensive side of the ball. And Campbell, you know, I, I'd completely forgotten about this, but I talked, I said something on Twitter about how he, like, he just looked different. Like, it, you know, he looked so much more relaxed and so much more comfortable, like playing and. I don't know if it was because the Ravens play such a different system and they're not used to see it, you know, in college, he wasn't used to seeing that um, two tight end set, like that pulling guard, like big package that they saw because uh, he looked uh, con- confusing is the wrong word, but like he, he just, it, it looked like there was something 
the matter with his reads and they couldn't fix it on the fly. I mean, this week he had a tackle for loss and then he had a tipped pass where it was almost like that David Long tipped pass from last year where it was just like you're looking at that guy and you're thinking that ball is absolutely over his head and he just goes up like with one arm and tips it enough to where, you know, as soon as it hits him, it's automatically like, okay, are we going to get an interception? So that was very promising to see because, you know, like you said last week, it looked like he was on the fast train to getting cut. And now, I mean, I I don't, I don't know if he necessarily makes the team, but he's definitely going to be either on their team or on the practice squad. Yeah. uh, I mean, if they could get him on the practice squad, I think that's probably what they're going to want to do. Um, they're probably going to want to do that with a couple players, and and unfortunately they're going to have to lose some of them because there's just a limited amount of spots on the roster, um, and teams are always looking out for guys who um, get waived, and, and the team is kind of trying to stash them, and, and they pick them up. So we'll see what the Titans do over the next couple of weeks and, and what they decide to do with uh, their roster, how many uh positions they keep so we'll see we're gonna take a quick ad break here and then we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about the offense since the intro was a little uh defense centric although we do have uh, a discussion um that could be had um about the cornerbacks so um we're gonna go to a quick ad break and then we'll be right back Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome back to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. So, second preseason game for the Titans, second game in which Malik Willis starts ahead of Logan Woodside. I don't think anyone was really too surprised by it. I would say that before the preseason started, I would have probably imagined that that Woodside would at least get one start and probably Malik Willis get the other start in the other game, um, assuming Tannehill wouldn't have played. Um, but I think it's good that Malik Willis has been able to get that opportunity because he needs reps. Like he needs live reps. He needs to see what's happening uh, in front of him. He needs to feel what you know an actual NFL uh, game environment is like. I know the preseason isn't the top level, but the Bucks are a very talented team. They have a lot of depth. Uh, they have a good defensive coordinator. Um, so it was a good it was a good experience for him. I would say. Uh, how do you think he fared? Do you think he made improvements? Do you think maybe he took a step in the right direction uh, after the first game in which he was a, just a little hesitant to pull the trigger um, and maybe too quick to bail the pocket? Did you see any notable um, improvements um, or anything that you liked or disliked uh, in terms of his performance? Yeah, so the positive of it was he looked a lot, especially early in the game, he looked willing to throw, you know, through that glance route to Nick Westbrook, Akina, and Akine. Uh, and I want to say he looked more decisive, but I, I don't know if that's the right term. He looked like when he was running, like he was actually trying to like see downfield and see if there were plays to be made. And, you know, he, did, he didn't take, like last week he had that, um, 
that fumble and or not fumble that sack and the two minute drill where he just should have thrown it out of bounds and just wasn't thinking and it cost them any chance to put up points or anything like that. Like, like that was that didn't happen, which is good. I think there's fewer mental mistakes this week. Like there was no throw that was kind of that panicked late throw to Kyle Phillips that he did to start uh, the game against the Ravens. Um, having said that, like he still like he does not feel pressure in the pocket correctly, or I guess a better way to say it is he feels pressure when it's not there. And I don't blame him for that. Like you're playing behind a rotating group of offensive linemen. You know, it's Aaron Brewer snapping the ball for you one play, then it's Corey Levin, then it's, uh, you know, you've got Ruse at right guard, then you've got Jamarco Jones at left, you know, it's like they they mixed all that up, and that was just the first week. I mean, this week it was you have Taylor Lewan, then you have uh, DeLauro in for a, se- for a second, and then you have Lewan back in again, and then you have uh, Nicholas Petit Frere over there at left tackle, and then it's just a lot of moving parts and I can understand why he wouldn't be comfortable behind that, especially given his time at Liberty when their offensive line was truly horrendous. And, you know, I can understand why if he ever saw a flash of color there, he had to go ahead and scramble and get out because, you know, he wasn't playing with NFL caliber linemen, but man, there's a lot of times where he just runs out of the back of the pocket and not, not in the, okay, you can get away with that way where he'll cut underneath a tackle that's creating, you know, that when you make a pocket, your offensive tackles are kick sliding and they're they're kind of covering this arc. So if you're going to run, it does make sense if that edge rusher gets past the quarterback to cut underneath him and roll towards your dominant arm. But he's... He does the the, the banana type of uh, yeah. scramble where he's just going all the way around. Right. And it's like he'll he'll be at five yards deep and then he'll he'll just run around and try to outrun the edge. And, I, you know, I, I, I posted a thread about the Raiden's uh, stuff and we'll talk about that more later. But the problem is, is that he's getting praised for that uh, on on social media and that's it that's bad like you can't you can't run towards block defenders like and if you do run in that area you've got to do it in a smart way to where you're maximizing what your protection is already doing or you're throwing you're running that way because you see a guy drifting with you that you're going to throw it to once you get to a certain spot now haven't and that's that's a major issue having said that he did some of those awesome things that he did last week. Like, you know, the, the 24 yard run or whatever was cool, but it wasn't as cool as the Des Fitzpatrick throw that he made with, you know, the crazy arm angle and all that. And, you know, that, that was another impressive, okay, this is a throw that five quarterbacks in the NFL can make like one of those types of throws. But for the most part, like he misses guys a lot. He's, I, I'm I'm confused as to what everybody says when they say he's processing too quickly. I don't know if because Vrabel's and the other coaches have said that he processes so quickly that his body can't catch up. I don't know if that means he sees things and then by the time he sees them, he's just not throwing it because it's not like he's reading things correctly. 
uh, fat. Like, uh, there, there's, you know, he throws 17 times, I think, in this last game, and he was 7 of 17 or something like that. Like, there was four or, or five plays where there was a guy open just pretty clearly that he just doesn't throw the ball to. Um, everybody talks about the Traylon Burks, the, the Burks rag. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that that one's one. <laughs> that one's pretty horrible. And yeah. you know, may, maybe it's not you know a 16 yard touchdown, but it's definitely a first down on second and seven at, during a two minute drill. Like, and that's important when you have two timeouts. Like he scrambles and throws it to Hassan Haskins, and everybody's talking about that's a great throw, but it's just him making his own life harder. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, we also didn't see unless i'm forgetting something we didn't see any sort of deep connection or anything like we saw um uh, last week with the racy mcmath play which i don't know if that was by design or what but it, it sort of feels like it, you know he mistimed uh, a couple of quick throws one specifically to kyle phillips where he just it, it was like he Malik Willis was the only one who knew that they were running that play because nobody ran it like that. Um, which was a strange, just, just a strange way to, to run that. So I, I don't know what exactly they were. I, I don't know what they were going for in some of these things. I don't know if it's miscommunication on his part, if it's on, uh, I'm going to say the wide receivers, but I would, I would put it more on the offensive coordinator for, uh, for, make it not making it clear on the sideline that that check could be coming. Cause it was just a very strange miscommunication, but he, he does not have a lot of feel in the close, you know, within five yards. Like I think it's uh, the first week he kind of rocketed a pass at Tory Carter, which had no chance. And then, you know, he was scrambling and he threw it to Tory Carter this time and hit him. But like, it, I mean, it wasn't complete, but he hit him in the hands kind of on that, on, on one of those boot plays. And, you know, like I does a does a wide receiver make that catch? Maybe, but it was a two yard catch, and you're throwing it as fast as you can to a fullback. That's not something that's going to turn out well most times. So he has a lot of work to do. But I, I mean, there's also still the same promising things, and it, it's just going to be a process. It's going to be a lot of you know two steps forward, one step back, like trying to temper when he should run. When you know, but the only way for him to do that is for him to get reps and to practice and be out there and see it live because, you know, it, he's not, he's not going to get that on seven on seven. It's going to have to be in team drills and in preseason and all that. But uh, I'm, I'm no more or less optimistic about him than I was before this game. And I do think it's important that he's shown that if there's a concerted effort to throw the ball quickly, he can do that but it may call, come at the cost of other things because that shows that, okay, he can do it. He just wasn't before. Now it's about making sure that you get the most out of what he can do. Yeah, it's, um, I agree. I, I don't, this game didn't change my perception um, from the first game. And I don't think he's any, any better or worse off um, after this performance. I thought he was okay. Um, he did some really good things that that still, you know, give you so much hope for the future just because there are a hundred other guys that just cannot do what, what he does um, at the quarterback position. But then he kind of struggles with the basic stuff um, like like we talked about that throw to Burks. That's so easy, you know, and he just bails too quickly uh, out of the pocket 
I, I feel like he doesn't trust his eyes. Like he might see something like he sees Burks wide open or he sees uh, a receiver wide open, but he like doesn't really trust himself to to make the throw for whatever reason, which is weird because he has an insane arm and he could fit it really anywhere. But I feel like he's been really cautious in, in these first couple of games, something that at times at Liberty, um, I don't think we saw because he made a lot of really terrible decisions uh, in college. And that, that was one of the biggest knocks on him that his processing and his, his reading of a particular play just didn't really make sense. And he made pretty poor decisions, which led to some bad interceptions. We haven't seen that through the, these first two games which is good because I think the coaching staff has kind of ironed that out of him. But in the process, I think maybe he's being too cautious um, because he doesn't want to possibly throw an interception. But I think that'll come with time. The, the problem is I think it's going to take uh, a good amount of time. It's going to take real growing pains in an NFL game setting. Um, and I just don't know when he's going to get that because Tannehill's going to be the starter uh, for the whole season unless something drastic uh, happens, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about him. I, I think it's going along as planned. And, and I think some of the things that he's shown have actually been, uh, really encouraging. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not fawning over him. Like a lot of social media has through these first two weeks. Um, but obviously it's really exciting when he's doing sidearm throws or, or running for 25 yard gains. So, uh, a lot of good, but uh, but also some some bad that I, I think will eventually get ironed out. Yeah, uh, this is a great time. Just so everybody knows when we're recording this, you can look up this tweet. Um, Wes on Broadway had a tweet uh, 15 minutes ago that I just saw that said, after two preseason games, Malik Willis has scored both touchdowns and has no turnovers. He's one of 13 on third downs. He leads the NFL with eight yards per run with a minimum of 10 attempts, and he has the lowest completion percentage in the NFL. So that is a perfect representation of what you see. It's like, you know, great. Like, he, you know, he's behind both touchdowns. Like, that's great. He's doing great when he runs the ball and tucks it. That That's good. He's also one of 13 on third down, which is pretty horrific and was also something that he was not good, in, good at in college. Um, and he's got the lowest completion percentage in the NFL. And I don't think there have been a lot of drops. I don't think there's been any drops, I would probably say. But so, you know, that that just goes to show what a process this is. Like it, there are highs and lows. And right now, nobody's highs are higher and nobody's lows are lower. So we'll, we'll see where this goes from here. But uh, I mean, he has he has to do work this season and then. I, I don't I don't know any way that they feel comfortable based off what they've seen this preseason to move on from Tannehill after this year. So if they do, it's just because they're taking a total leap of faith. And we've seen them do that at other positions. So, you know, maybe maybe they do that here. But I I, I would put, you know, I'd I would press the brakes on uh, Malik Willis being the starter in 2023 uh, just because we haven't seen anything to say like, wow, like you look at the other rookies and it's like, you look at Kenny Pickett and that was the whole narrative coming out was it's like Kenny Pickett's more pro ready now. And then uh, Ritter and Willis are going to have to take time and develop and all that. And 
I, I just I just think that we have not seen enough to go ahead and guarantee him that spot in the future. But having said that, if they go through preseason next year and he's blowing the doors off of the competition, then they could trade Tannehill and and move on that way. But I, I don't I don't based off what we've seen, I don't think that's coming unless something changes. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think they would have to change the whole offense. Like, I think they would have to bring in a new coordinator um, and kind of redesign the offense because him, him, Malik Willis and Tannehill are just, they're not similar. Like, they're they're completely different uh, types of quarterbacks. Tannehill just stands in the pocket. He will take a hit. Um, if he sees a receiver that's open or even one that's semi-open, he's going to hang in the pocket and he's going to deliver a strike. That's the kind of quarterback he is. He's also athletic and can scramble at times, um, but that's not really his number one goal. Willis is kind of the complete opposite where right now he just wants to scramble and make a play outside of the pocket. Um, and even when the pocket's collapsing just a little bit, he will bail and he just will not stay in there. So, I, it's it's tough. Like I don't I don't think Willis could just come into this offense right now as it is um, during the regular season and, and just perform like Tannehill has over the past couple of seasons. But we'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe we're wrong. Um, yeah. The la- the last thing I, I just want to say about Willis um, because I feel like if I've been pretty negative towards him, but I, I I don't think this is a fair way to evaluate him because yeah, the backup offensive line is is not good. Um, it's not good anywhere in the NFL. Like every quarterback has to deal with this, but it's pretty bad. They give up a lot of pressure. Um, and I don't know how he would do with the starting offensive line up there and the starting receiver, starting tight ends, Derrick Henry. Like it could look completely different. Um, and I also personally don't think he's getting much help from his offensive coordinator. I, I haven't seen anything particularly encouraging from Todd Downing this preseason. Obviously, he's not going to give away stuff um, in the preseason that he might use in the regular season, um, but he hasn't necessarily been putting Malik Willis in in a great position to succeed. And despite that, Willis has looked pretty good. So uh, I think that's that's pretty uh, um, encouraging for him. Yeah, and they'd have to get faster. Like, they just... The the way this offense is built now is for eight play drives, and that's that's not to say that they won't take like a, a deep shot every now and then because we've seen in practice like the Racy McMath especially, but Traylon Burks has gotten some of that, and you know they've had different guys make plays that were forty fifty yard you know touchdowns that weren't just ten yard slants that turned into those plays. So I think we expect more of that this year, but that's that's what Malik Willis did like in college he was so good at those deep down the sideline passes and you know you look at his heat map and it's just like ice cold in the middle of the field you know outstanding on the outside and that's great like you know but that's not how this team is structured I mean this team is structured for you know four yard run seven yard run 14 yard pass three-yard run, play action, 48-yard pass, and then three plays in the red zone. Like, that that's that's what this team is. And it's what this team will almost guaranteed, uh, is almost guaranteed to always be this with Vrabel because Vrabel's talked about how much he does not want to pass the ball. Like, he does not like to throw the ball more than 30 times a game. 
In fact, I don't think he likes to throw it more than 25 times a game. And he's talked about how, you know, when people talk about, well, Aaron Rodgers does this, and he talks about, yeah, but they have good running backs there. And, you know, he always talks about the running game regardless of who the quarterback is. So it, it would it would have to be a pretty fundamental shift in philosophy for them to perfectly equip uh, an offense and design it around what Malik Willis does well. And that's always been the concern. But, you know, just because Malik Willis did something well in college doesn't mean that he's incapable of doing something well in the NFL. He just needs time to see if he can do that. And if he can't, you've got to try to change it or you've got to pick a different quarterback or you've got to just accept the fact that he may not be as effective as he could be if you put him in those kind of situations. Yeah, um, but I think we can put the put to rest um, all the Malik Willis should start um, I, the, that movement. It's just it's too much, man. He's he's not ready. Um, and, and Tannehill is, is still the guy. But um, moving on from that, let's talk a little bit about the right tackle position. Uh, Dylan Radens had the worst game in human history, <laughs> uh, according to according to a lot of Titans fans. Um, I'll be honest, when I initially watched this game, yeah, it looked pretty rough. Um, uh, he had a couple of plays where where it looked like he was just getting beaten pretty badly. I even re watched the game uh, today, uh, kind of focusing on him, but also focusing on other things, and I thought he was. He was meh, you know, I still thought it was a pretty poor game uh, overall, but then you directed me towards your thread uh, on Twitter, which showed all of his snaps, and I feel good now. Uh, so if you want to, uh, if you want to kind of tell the listeners what that thread was about, how Dylan Radens played, was he as bad as everyone is saying, uh, let everyone know. Yeah, so uh, y'all can y'all can go find this if you'd like. If for some reason you don't follow me, it's uh, at jlomas72. Uh, yeah, so I, I just basically went because everybody was th there was a narrative out there from people who watch football. Like not you know usually if people talk and they don't know what they're talking about, I I ignore it. I say my piece and go. But people that understand what they were what they look at were talking about how bad Braden's was and I. You know, I, I watched it live and I thought it was I thought, he, like you said, I thought he was like, man, like I, I didn't I didn't feel strongly one way or another. And so I was like, OK, um, you know, I wake up every morning. At, this is not like a rise and grind thing, but just because of the schedule I have, I wake up every morning at 530 and, you know, I'm I'm usually it, somewhere where I can, you know, pay attention and uh, work on stuff around six, six, 15. So I. I've sat there and I watched and I said, okay, like, let me go through every single play that uh, Dylan Radens had at right tackle and see what's up. So I, I clipped up every single one and, and I went through and there are 26 plays and I came away feeling like he did exactly what he was supposed to do or went above and beyond on 23 of the 26 plays and three plays. There was one bad play, which is the one where he like, he he takes this defensive end. And it's kind of a wide nine ish. Like it's 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 a wide C gap rush, and he goes around the tight end, and uh, Raidens has to kick all the way outside, and he's trying to stay square, and then the edge gets around his his outside his 
downfield sh- or yeah downfield shoulder and so he kind of dives at him to not not cut block him but to basically to give Malik Willis as much time as he can because he knows he can't get there and that's effective enough it's obviously not what you want but it, it, it but that was one of the three he didn't do well and then there was one where there, there was a miscommunication on, you know, whether there was supposed to be a line slide or whether it was a screen pass. It was the Des Fitzpatrick uh, awesome throw from Malik Willis. Um, but th- there's some weird stuff that went on there. And then uh, there's one play where he just doesn't get all of a linebacker. And it still turns into like, I think, a, a positive, you know, one or two yard gain on the ground. But it's nothing. Uh, it, it was nothing egregious. Like for the most part, he did a really good job, but people, you know, I played offensive line. I've coached offensive line. Like I, you know, I, I know what it's supposed to look like. I would say to a pretty, I, I don't have a master's degree in it, but I know what things are supposed to look like. So I can tell when things aren't, I, I can tell when somebody's doing something wrong. And for the most part, you know, if four guys are doing one thing and one guy's doing another thing, it's usually that guy doing stuff wrong. And there just weren't those plays. So I went through and I watched it and Raidens did well. So I, I, I broke down every play and I explained what he's doing on each play. And I put video with it so that people didn't have to try to scrub through NFL plus and figure out what, you know, what exact where he was and squint and turn there. You know, I, I tried to do as much of that work as I could because, you know, you shouldn't be asked to watch offensive line in a preseason game like that that's you've got better uses of your time but for me who you know talks about it and writes about it I, it was important to me to know what i was talking about when i was talking about this and long story short uh, um i've had a lot of comments on it a lot of retweets and people saying you know that that, that they didn't understand what was happening as as much until they saw the clips and they saw that and they felt different and they they were glad that they watched that and i encourage everybody to go watch it but Having said all that, it's basically that Raidens did a B plus job. Like, I mean, he he played against a pretty good front in Tampa Bay after a week where, you know, he had played a lot, you know, that they could have rested him, but guys like him and Nicholas Petit Frere and Rashad Weaver, like because they're thin and they have, you know, veterans resting at certain positions, they've got to play big stretches of time. So, you know, he went out there and did his job for the most part and did well. And I, I I came away more impressed with him there than, you know, a lot of people did, you know, I, I I don't, I don't want to say that I'm higher on him or as high on him as people are low on him, but there's nothing there that says that he can't be an NFL tackle. Like, you know, there's a lot of encouraging stuff that he does. And, if you want to talk about his pass protection, he does good in pass protection. Like if you watch his feet in relation in relation to the hash marks, like he stays where he's supposed to. And even though it can look deceptive on film, it, he is where he's supposed to be. And if you watch those hash marks, you see that he's actually keeping the pocket. But because there's a line shift one way or because uh, the defense moves a certain way, it looks like there's pressure, but there's really not like, I mean, there, there's there's nobody around Malik Willis on a lot of these plays, and if there is, if there are guys around Malik Willis, it's not because of him. It's because stuff going on on the left side of the line. So uh, it it was good to see that, and I don't want people to rely on pro football focus numbers. I think I I don't think it's I, let me say it this way. I don't think it's lazy to use PFF, 
But I think if you use PFF, you have to understand that they're not assigning their best their best guy to watch preseason offensive line tape for the Titans. I can promise you he watched it or she watched it once and just wrote stuff down and moved on because that because who cares? Like there's no governing body for PFF. They can write whatever they could write that, you know, Ryan Tannehill went out there and spiked the ball three times in a row and nobody would check it. And if they checked it, they wouldn't correct it. They would just leave it up there. Like, because what are you going to do? Like, if you're already subscribed to him, you've already paid for a year. Like, you'll forget about it by the next time it rolls around. They they don't they don't care too much about it. So accuracy is no longer their priority. Their priority is getting your money and then hooking you for the season. And then you'll be so hungry for football next year that you'll buy a subscription to it and be disappointed all over again. And they'll write enough articles over the offseason about how this player scored super high and this premium stat that you can only see if you're subscribed that – you know, your favorite team has somebody who's actually the best at their position. And isn't that interesting that everybody seems to have one of those? So I don't know. Uh, that's a long way of saying uh, Dylan Radens looked good. Yeah, I love how that uh, morphed into a PFF uh, Stop the Nonsense segment. But uh, I, yeah. I wasn't going to name drop them. I don't think they deserve it after some of the stuff they've done over the years, and especially this offseason, man, they are, they are struggling. But, I mean, I didn't want to go into the PFF thing, but honestly, do we really think that they have that many people working for them or interning for them that they're watching every single player on the Titans for an entire duration of a preseason game, there's no chance. There's no chance. But anyway, to, to go back to the Radons thing, um, yeah, your your thread was awesome. It really helped uh, me me. It helped me at least see some of the some of the nuances of, of playing right tackle that we really don't see when we're just watching the game casually. Especially some of these miscommunications that hypothetically should be cleared up if he's playing with the starting offensive line right beside him in uh, Nate Davis and even a tight end uh, in Jeff Swaim or Austin Hooper uh, on the side of him. So I don't know, like I, I think he did pretty well, all things considered. The problem is that when he has negative plays, they're like, they're really negative. Like they look bad. They look bad. They, 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 they might not be like disastrous. Some of them are, but they look bad, and that's what people see. Like, if you're watching a game and you see a horrific rep from one player, particularly on offensive linemen, you're going to be like, oh, my God, he got absolutely destroyed on this play. And then that's going to stick with you because you don't see the other 20 plays where he's just doing his job. I think this happens also with cornerbacks um, that they get burnt. This happened to me with Farley. This happened to me with Caleb Farley in this game, too. Because he got burned on one play by Scotty Miller, just got absolutely, yeah. absolutely smoked. And, and like this has happened to him in the past, and it's kind of stuck with me. Like he will get caught. But I went, I was rewatching the game today, and I was like, man, he did a pretty good job. Like he had, uh, he had one pass breakup. He might have had another one. I'm not, I don't actually remember. But he had a pretty solid overall game, and that's kind of what happened to me uh, with Radens as well. Um, I also think it's important to note that Radens is coming from an FCS college. Like this is, he was a developmental prospect that I think we didn't 
like look at him as such. I think we thought he was just going to come in and play right away. But like that's not a plausible thing when you're coming from North Dakota State. I, I don't care that they're the top team um, in Division One FCS. Like they are not an SEC school. Like he doesn't go up against SEC type of pass rushers um, on a daily basis in college, and it was always going to take some time to get used to it. But he's fine. Like he's not as bad a- as people make him out to be. Yeah, and there's there's another. There's a couple other things that also contribute to this. One is. Oh, sorry. I I did want to mention one more thing. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, ahead. Yeah. Just to interrupt real quick. I think it's really important. Uh, I mentioned that he's playing with the backups. He's also playing with a backup quarterback in Malik Willis, who absolutely loves to run the ball. And how is Raiden supposed to know when Malik Willis is just scrambling around? And especially when he does it so quickly, like two to three seconds into the play, Raiden's is still trying to maybe hold his block, and Willis has already evaded um, or gone outside of him, and the pass rusher just comes right off him, and it looks like Raiden's lost the rep when that's not really the case. Yeah, and that that, that kind of feeds into one of the things is that um, it, it, there's already a ton of eyes on the right tackle position, and whether Nicholas Petit-Frere is started or been the backup or whatever – there, there have not been that many reps of him uh, in pass protection on the right side by himself. So, like, it, if somebody's going to get beat, it's going to be Raiden's because he's had to do it more. Um, what makes it even more difficult is that uh, Malik Willis rolls to his right. Like, that's that's his that's how he rolls to pass. Like, it, you know, he's not going to roll against his body. So, even if there's a clean pocket and he's bailing he's going to bail to the right regardless of whether there's pressure or not. So he's going to run right past 75 that's facing the camera. So all you're going to see is quarterback boots out big number 75 in your face and then a guy chasing him. But the guy was on the other side of 75, like blocked, but now he's closer to Malik Willis than anybody else because Malik Willis ran past his protection. And so it's not like uh, it's neither here nor there because they're they're trying to fix that, but it's just why this misconception happens is, you know, he runs like that and is just athletic enough to get away from what should have been a sack. But all you think is like, man, Malik Willis did a really good job because the guy 75 was blocking, just, you know, had him around the legs and he managed to get away. And it's like, mm, well, not so fast. Like, you know, that's not exactly how it happened, but you know, the problem is if you, you know, people love hope, right? Like Titans fans, every, every NFL team, you know, they, they love hope and nothing is more hopeful than a backup quarterback, especially a young backup quarterback. And so it's hard to say anything bad about Malik Willis. And it's especially hard to say that when you're trying to explain why something happened. So if you say, Dylan Raiden's actually blocked this correctly, but Malik Willis ran towards the pressure. All people hear you say is Malik Willis sucks. And it's like, it's not that it's, it's more nuanced than that. Like even the 24 yard run he had was, was cool. 
but he ran right towards where, luckily, where Raiden's had mashed a defensive tackle inside so that the guy that should have been in the B-gap got pushed all the way into the other A-gap and was just standing there. And then he was there to kind of provide a wall in case that guy came, so he had to take a different angle. And, like, it, if if Raiden's hadn't done his job, that's a two-yard gain, but he's not going to get any credit because it's not like he's lead blocking out in front of Malik Willis because it was a pass play. Like, I mean, he can't run 10 yards down the field and try to be up there and then Malik Willis pull it and throw it because then it's like everybody look at the stupid offensive lineman. So, you know, all that to say, like, and this is it. What Raidens did has no bearing on whether or not Nicholas Petit Frere did a good job at right tackle. I think he did a good job at right tackle. I think he did. I think Nicholas Petit Frere at right tackle did a better job on Saturday than Dylan Raidens did at right tackle. I, I don't think that about week one in the preseason. And I think Nicholas Petit Frere has been truly awful at left tackle when they've played him there, but that that's fine. Like 2023, the plan I've, I've said since this, you know, this past draft, the plan should be Dylan Radin's left tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere, right tackle. And that still looks like it's fine. But for, for this year, only one of them is going to start. And it seems like nobody's going to be happy either way. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. But Titans fans should be happy anyway because whoever starts, it'll be because they earned it because they beat the other one out. And if either them or Luan goes down, you have a really capable backup tackle to just slot right in. So things could be worse, man. We have other things, more pressing things to worry about, really. Um Things like Traylon Burks not getting the ball, even though he keeps getting open. But I don't want to spend too much time on that. We talked about it a lot last week. Um, I think once the season starts, we're going to see that Traylon Burks is actually very good and has been getting open and can get open. And hopefully Tannehill will be able to get him the ball. Uh, I think he will because Tannehill has done that in the past with most of the receivers um, that he's played with. Um, One other thing. Uh, I wanted to talk about was the cornerbacks. I touched a little bit on Caleb Farley. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was watching the game initially, I I didn't like how he was playing, to be honest. But after the rewatch, uh, I, I thought he did a very good job. Um, the problem is that Roger McCreary is also doing a really good job in the preseason. He's not getting the ball thrown at him because he's that good, and he just doesn't get uh, beat by you know, receivers that are, are less talented than he is. So that's good. I, what do you think, who's going to start? Like, who do you think is going to start a quarter? Is it just going to be Fulton Farley uh, on the outside and then Molden in the slot? Or is there a chance that McCreary can, can, can play instead of one of them? So it, Comparing the Nicholas Petit Frere Dylan Radens matchup to the Caleb Farley uh, Roger McCreary situation is so interesting because it's it's almost an identical uh, story, right? So it's you have a guy with a lot of potential that was drafted in 2021 who didn't get to start one because of injury and one because uh, of a love affair with David Questenberry. Then they they show flashes, but they're still very much developmental guys who should progress. But the guy that they they draft, you know, the Titans this year drafted for depth. They drafted because they got so injured last season that they wanted to make sure that they weren't put in that situation again. 
you know, it's part of why the AJ Brown trade makes sense with what they did with the picks and why they just didn't draft purely wide receivers is because they want to make their they want to insulate the the roster so much from okay, they're good, but if they get one injury there, they're in trouble. And now they're kind of there. Like it's where you want to be. But the problem is that comes at the expense of having that time to develop those guys. So I think before the draft, Raidens would have started right tackle, no questions. I think uh, Farley would have started outside, and it would have been Fulton and Molden in the middle. Then then the season started, and it looked like it was going to be a competition between Molden and McCreary for that slot job. Well, then Molden gets hurt early in the uh, early in training camp, so now that opens the door for. Uh, uh, McCrary to to play more in the slot and all that. He does an awesome job there. Uh, so great. Okay, like maybe let's try him on the outside, and they try him in uh, Farley's spot, and he looks great there. Okay, well now you've got a guy who can the as far as I know the only guy on the team with true inside outside versatility. He's young. He's gotten rave reviews from the coaches. You know, they've talked about they, they've said, you know, he's not a rookie, which is a crazy thing for this coaching staff to say. Like they're still talking about guys. It, it took Amani Hooker like three years to like not just be a special teamer. And he was outstanding when he got time on the field. But McCrary is so beloved by this coaching staff that, you know, they're they're just they're like, this is this is our guy. So they love him, and I think Kyle Phillips is going to get that kind of uh, respect and admiration from the coaching staff, too, when it's all said and done. But I, I think what's happened now, if they had to start people tomorrow, is, and this is what they did some in uh, the Tampa Bay game, is I think they want their two starting corners to be Christian Fulton and Roger McCreary. Then on thir- on nickel situations i think they want roger mccreary to go inside of the slot and then caleb farley to come and be the other boundary corner then the titans ran more dime packages than anybody else in the nfl last year so a fourth corner slash safety or whatever is more valuable to them than any other team in the league that's where i think molden comes in and molden is their not, I don't know if I'd call him a safety, like a, like a tight end matchup guy, but I think he will be their, you know, quote unquote linebacker, their, their guy in the box who is a defensive back who can cover if he needs to. And I don't know if that will change based on who they play, but I, th- this rookie class has been so impressive that it's basically throw all the rules we had for rookies out the window because. At any time they've been given the slightest chance to start, they've kicked down the door and haven't looked back. Like Traylon Burks, we don't talk about him, but he went from being a guy that they weren't sure if they were going to play in the slot or what to he has not missed a practice. He got injured in a practice and came back the next day in joint practices and competed again. He like he's played more snaps than anybody else. Uh, 
uh, on on offense during now I don't I, I don't know this for a fact I shouldn't say it like that but I believe he's played more snaps as a skill position player than anybody else on the Titans roster uh, to this point in the preseason and since he has not missed a practice and since he's been work we know he's been working with the first second and third strings we know that he's gotten a lot of practice reps so all all of a sudden the freak from the SEC whose biggest problem was he's not conditioned is playing more snaps than anybody else. And he's getting reps with the ones and he's, he's there, you know, only real starting wide receiver with big play potential down the field. Like it, you know, he's going to get as many or more snaps per game than AJ Brown did as a rookie. Then you've got Kyle Phillips that we've talked about. And I, I, we could go on and talk about this rookie class. And it feels like we've talked a lot about him this preseason, but the reason that's so important is because McCreary starting for Mike Vrabel in any other season would have been no chance. It would have been, they're going to line up with Farley, uh, Molden and Fulton. And until either Molden or uh, fairly get beaten so bad, uh, that, that they just can't you know, that they have to be removed. It's veterans over rookies, but I, I just don't I mean, uh, McCreary's first play of the preseason game was a tackle on special teams. Like if that's not going to endear you to, to Vrabel, I don't know what is. So I, I think he's the guy who's primed to start opposite Fulton. If I had to pick one today. Definitely interesting. Um, tough decision for the coaching staff, but thankfully they have a lot of options. Like, man, it just goes back to the conversation we were having about, the beginning just the amount of depth that they they have at a lot of these positions cornerback is absolutely one of them they're four deep maybe even five deep with well chris jackson is injured now but they just signed lonnie johnson and lonnie johnson looks good so yeah i i I don't know they're 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 very deep at, at a lot of positions particularly on the defensive side of the ball um and i agree with you about the rookies this looks like one of john robinson's best rookie classes i think it was kind of a return to form um in terms of drafting success for him obviously there's a lot left to go but i could see almost this entire uh draft class being starters at their positions maybe not for the titans but throughout their nfl careers for sure so that's really exciting and you know can't wait to see some of them in action i mean even chigakonkwo is probably going to take a lot of uh, reps from Jeff Swaim as a tight end too. He looks like a really solid, um, just a really solid tight end already. Um, so yeah, definitely exciting. Um, real quick, uh, the Titans wrap up their preseason, preseason, I don't even know, <laughs> their preseason campaign uh, playing against the Cardinals on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. What are you? What do you want to see in that game, or do you just not want to see anything? You just want to see these these lower level guys get out there, and no one gets injured, and, and we just pack it in for the regular season. No, I think they still have things that they need to figure out. Also, they're doing something weird with the joint practices where the. <laughs> They're, I don't want to say chicken and out or anything. They're just trying to make sure guys don't get hurt. But they're like, all right, we had a joint practice. We thought we could do two back to back, but probably not. So now they're going to do 
they're only going to do one this week and it's on Wednesday and they're not doing one on Thursday. And the one they do on Wednesday is going to be different than the one they did versus Tampa where it's not as much like team stuff. And then sometimes they're just going to kind of go in a corner and each team's going to practice by themselves. It's, it's a really stupid thing to do. Like if you're going to do that, just cancel the joint practice because you're not getting anything out of it. Um, at least, at least in my mind. So, um, the only thing I want to see other than like some guys competing for like true, like, cause Malik Willis should start the whole game. Like should, there should be no difference in him. Um, so I'd like to see progression there, but I, I would also like to see, you know, like, can they do things to get a little bit more creative without giving up the entire playbook? Because I, I don't know, like you don't have to be as vanilla. Like, why don't you just script something like just a quick, like eight tent? Cause Lord knows that they need help scripting plays for offense. So like, why not work on that and just say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to script these plays and, you know, we're going to do it to attack the Cardinals. So like, so that we look like a competent coaching staff, like do that and do it with Malik Willis and do it with him in mind. Just, you have a taste of what it's going to look like in the future if he's if he's your starter and on defense somebody mentioned this i don't i don't know if it was amani hooker or who it was but somebody mentioned that uh the titans got a really good mix of offenses that they got to see this preseason so they got to see uh the heavy sets from baltimore with the two tight ends and the fullbacks and the three tight ends and, and all the stuff they do then they got to see a more normal like almost like Tennessee Titans, like similar uh, personnel grouping with Tampa Bay. And then they're going to get to see a spread offense with the Cardinals. So I want to see what they do versus those four wide receiver sets. Like, is this where you're going to find out, okay, Molden can play this slot and then McCreary is going to play this slot or, you know, how, how they attack that after that they, they really struggled to open with it last year. So uh, that that's something to monitor and to watch. But other than that, it's the whole standard. Like, we don't want anybody to get injured. We want to see people take steps, but specifically those things. Yeah, I think it's another, another situation where the joint practices are probably going to be more important than the actual game. I'm not expecting a lot of starters to play in the game. Um do you think any starters are going to play other than like Radens and Petit Freer? I don't know. If, I don't, I don't remember what they did last year, which was the first year I think I, with three preseason games. You know, I, I seem to remember them playing, um, their Didn't starters. They play Tannehill. Um, Am I crazy? That's, yeah, I don't remember. I'm going to look either. it up. I'm going to look it yeah, up while go, you talk. <laughs> go ahead and look it up because I know that, uh, when they played the Steelers that Tannehill played in that game, uh, but he was the backup at that time because that was the last one before COVID. But I, I remember that being like a, a, just a kind of a long day for him and that backup offensive line because that I'm was wrong. the first game. I'm wrong. Staff. I'm wrong. What side in Barkley? Oh my yeah. God, Matt Barkley. I forgot he was on the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What well, side in Barkley played? Henry didn't play. Don't laugh play. too much. Like they might cut yeah, Woodside yeah. back Barkley. <laughs> like, you know, and after what we've seen from Woodside, who's basically played himself out of a, free paycheck like I, I would I would completely understand why they did it but I mean I think they play their starting offensive linemen some I think they have in the past like 
at this point, like if you're not going to play him before now, like I, I don't know what, what good it does for them to play three snaps in this game. So if you're going to play him, play him a little bit and pull him out. But if you're not going to, you know, if, if you're just going to play him for a drive, like don't, you know, don't, don't worry about it too much. Like just, just go ahead and like keep them fresh and, you know, keep everybody healthy and ready to go, especially after Kayvon Thibodeau almost like got hurt and all that stuff on, on that block. It's like, you don't want to get this far just to have somebody get injured and then have to kind of hit the panic button. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick ad break here and we're going to wrap up with stop the nonsense. Welcome back in as we go through stop the nonsense. Will, do you want to go first as always? Yeah. So uh, I guess it was two years ago at this point. Uh, Tom Brady came out with that barbershop uh, interview where uh, they they talked about, you know, I, I think the quote is something like, you know, there's a team that I was talking to that, you know, we were getting pretty close to a decision and they were in the mix heavy. And then all of a sudden they pulled out and I said, they're going to stick with that mother cuss word uh, over me. Like, I don't know if we're doing explicit stuff, uh, but and and base and everybody said that they thought that was uh Ryan Tannehill. They were like, that's Tannehill, it's gotta be Tannehill because that's who they were gonna sign. It's gotta be Tannehill, it's gotta be Tannehill. Well, finally, after two years, we finally know that who he was really talking about was Carr, because this was when John Gruden stepped in and vetoed a deal that basically would have had Tom Brady with the as the first quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders when they moved. And it was the year that, you know, everybody knows Tom Brady went to Tampa and they won their Super Bowl in their first year. But, you know, he was almost the first quarterback in Las Vegas. Like Dana White and a bunch of other people were like offering him the world. And, you know, they, they were going to do everything. They were going to bend over backwards to make him – comfortable and they were talking about you know you're 45 minutes from LA and I they they Gronkowski had him on something had uh Dana White on something like talking to him and he told the story and so now finally after two years all the people who were dead set and couldn't be convinced that Tom Brady was talking you know it was it was pure gospel to them that it had to have been Tannehill and that Mike Vrabel is stupid for sticking with Tannehill blah 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 and at last, we know that it was not, you know, this was not Tom Brady bashing Tannehill, whether whether he likes him or not. I don't know. I can't speak to that. But at the very least, I can rest assured in the fact that it wasn't him talking about Tannehill. Yeah, um, I find it funny that it was Derek Carr because I don't know. That's I think he's super overrated. Um and I think I saw he was on the top 100 list. Um, he was pretty high on it too. Um, yeah, not like, that that list matters. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, that's it's just how many Raiders got to vote that year. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just like whether you think he's overrated or underrated, you're right. Like he's he is a very much a system quarterback who's good enough to. I mean, he's not he's not Joe Flacco, but he. I mean, he's kind of Joe Flacco. So kind of, like, yeah, yeah. Matt so Ryan, like they're, they're all the same. All yeah. The same, the same guy. Yeah. Like if you put him with a really smart offensive mind, 
he 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 will work that system. If you put him with a dumb offensive line, he'll work that system. Like you're you're going to get what you surround him with, which is why they should be pretty excited about this year because they've got good talent and uh, I mean a supposedly good offensive line in Josh McDaniels. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, that that was it's very interesting to me to hear people talk about Carr now. I can never remember if it's David or Derek. It's Derek, but I can never remember until I have to think it out yeah uh so i'll wrap up with my stop the nonsense uh i have uh warren sharp as my stop the nonsense i'm sure you guys all know him at sharp football on twitter he's essentially just pff personified they're like the same they're like the same type of scam they keep throwing out numbers even though they don't mean anything and uh he's had a couple doozies over the past two days that I, I would like help uh, understanding why these numbers matter. So the first one was an XY graph. Uh, usually when you have an XY graph, as you go more to the top right of uh, of the graph, like that means like you're you're the top player, you know, it, it is at a certain thing. So he has Malik Willis a, a, as like one of the best quarterbacks of the preseason, which is good, but this graph just doesn't make any sense to me so the y-axis is or x-axis i actually don't know i'm kind of dumb but the whatever the one that's going horizontal is average time to throw um and it goes from 2.2 to 4 so obviously malik willis is really um has a long time to throw because he's scrambling all the time and doesn't get rid of the ball quickly and then on the vertical axis he axis he has air yards per attempt so Malik Willis apparently has over 10 yard air yards per attempt, which is really good. But isn't that just logical that the more time you take the throw, the farther down the field the receivers are going to be and the farther your actual attempts are going to be? Like, I don't understand how uh, this matters really in any way. I guess all it could really like signify is that you're giving your receivers more time to get down the field and you're throwing it deep um so i guess that's good but i mean malik willis had like 4.7 yards per attempt in in the second game so that was weird um i I don't know what that graph was about and then today he had another tweet with something that's just very logical but he makes it seem like it's groundbreaking he tweeted I was talking to a coach today about improving opening drive production, and then he cites league-wide last year, if an opening drive had zero plays of 15-plus yards, you had a 12.5% score rate and a 5.6% touchdown rate. If an opening drive had one-plus plays of 15-plus yards, you had a 68% score rate, 48% touchdown rate. Efficiency and explosiveness balanced together. Yeah, we know. Like, if you get farther down the field, you're obviously going to have a better rate to score or score a touchdown. Like, I don't understand. He's not breaking any any news here, but I, I he does this all the time. He's just he spews out stats that are supposed to mean something, but they never really mean anything. Um, and he is just he's he's getting on my nerves, honestly. I mean, it's like if you said like this team averages the most plays per drive in the NFL and they, and they score the most points per drive. And it's like, yeah, like that would probably like, you know, 
on on the whole, I'm guessing that would make sense because if you're getting you know more plays, you're getting more yards, you're having success. Like, but if you're averaging four, you know, unless you're an incredible outlier and in explosive plays, like I, some of the stuff, it's weird because you talk about that Malik Willis thing, and it's like you could invert that, like it just in like time to throw and all that, and you could say like these because I'm sure it'll happen. And but it's like these quarterbacks get the ball out quicker than anybody else. And it's like, okay, like so is is do you want more time to throw like because that leads to more yards per attempt or like more air yards per attempt. And if explosive plays are good, like isn't that what you should want? Like it because at the end of the day, it's always like, well, you want a healthy mix of this with a specialist. It's like, yeah, like we know like that, like I don't need uh some somebody said uh i don't remember what it was but they said uh i didn't need a test for the thing you needed to test to figure out like it, you know like i already knew that ahead of time so uh you know it's it's people want to innovate and they want to do things that are original and they want to kind of break the nfl down into numbers and figure out how it really works and there's some of that that's smart and logical but there's a lot of it, and it's the people who think that stats are predictive and not descriptive. Those people are the ones who misuse analytics and make everybody look stupid because they end up with the Jaguars as their favorite for the Super Bowl for some stupid reason, and then they can never be credible again. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You're spot on. Um, meanwhile, I'm going to be creating my own, uh, stats. Uh, I'm going to have big time plays and it's going to be any play that is over 18.5 yards <laughs> because that's very, uh, predictive of, of everything. And you have to be specific with these stats because if not, they don't mean anything, of course. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We're going to be back after the Titans play the Cardinals in the final preseason game to kind of wrap that up and then start looking ahead to, well, actually, they, they have to do cutdowns, right? I, I'm not exactly sure what day the cutdowns are, um, but it'll happen sometime within the next week, I believe, um, and we'll come back to you with all that information. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.